Welcome to Insight into Teaching Intro Psychology, a McGraw-Hill informative audio series. These podcasts feature subject matter experts, instructors, and authors discussing psychology-related topics in higher education. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Insight into Teaching Intro Psych. My name is AJ LaFerrera. I'm on the marketing team here at McGraw-Hill. And while we did five things to do in teaching online last week, this week we are actually going to look at the opposite. And we're going to examine the five things not to do when teaching online. And once again, I am joined by a friend of the podcast, Igor. Uh, Igor, do you want to take a minute to introduce yourself once more? Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Igor Dalgos. I'm an associate professor of psychology at New Mexico State University. And I've been teaching online for over 10 years now. Great. Hopefully most people heard uh, last episode when you reviewed five things that you do when teaching online. Now we're going to take the other side. So what are the five things not to do when teaching online? You want to kick us off with the first one? So number one is don't assume students are technologically competent nor be their tech support. A number of the students that are going to enter your online classroom are novice computer users, and many of them are going to be taking an online class for the first time. So some of them are going to be unfamiliar with using computers. Some of them will be unfamiliar with using the learning management system that your school provides. And if you're using a course management system, then oftentimes they'll be unfamiliar with that as well. So that's really a big hurdle to have to overcome as an instructor. If a student is coming into your classroom and is unable to use the resources that you've provided for them, then you can't really teach them. So the solution to that is connecting them with the right tech support people. If you, on the other hand, um, are playing tech support for them, then you're going to spend much more time dealing with technical issues rather than, rather than educating your students. And so that's not an ideal situation for any instructor. So I'm very explicit with my students about letting them know that they should be using the various tech support resources that are available to them, either from the university or from publishers or from the learning management system that my university uses. And so by directing students to the right places and oftentimes being redundant about providing those directions, that will set up a relationship between them and the folks that can actually help them get over their technical hurdles so they can truly engage with your course content. Okay. Second thing not to do when teaching online. Igor. Number two is don't forget to set meaningful deadlines. And this may seem fairly obvious to a lot of people, but in an online setting, one of the most common ways that a course is built is to have deadlines for, the, for all of the assignments in a course at the end of the semester. This is tempting to do, especially when one is trying to cater to students that potentially have complicated schedules as a result of working jobs or having families or a number of other reasons. However, um, providing meaningful deadlines allows students to stay motivated and stay engaged with the course material throughout the semester, which is really what we want um, in the learning environment. And so I've got a quick story to tell about a, a small experiment that I was able to conduct. And I offered the same section of a course um, to students, and the only real difference 
was that in one section there was a single deadline that was at the end of the semester for each of the assignments. In the other section, there were deadlines every single day of the every single day of the semester. Uh, this course has over 100 assignments, and so by providing uh, deadlines every single day of the semester, students are logging on every day and spending five to 30 minutes on coursework. And so at the end of teaching these courses, I compare students' performance. And it's no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast, but of course, the class that had deadlines did much better. Um, so much so that um, you know I've never looked back, and I've got deadlines that for every single day of the semester when I teach online. Um, sometimes they're for very quick little things. Uh, sometimes they're for slightly longer things. And the trick to really making that work is opening up all of the assignments and assessments to students at the beginning of the semester, or at the beginning of a section, such that those students that want to work ahead can, uh, and those students that need to keep up with daily pace still do and stay engaged. All right, and I think that's a really powerful number two. Let's move on to number three. Igor? Number three is don't be missing in action. And so what that really means is that you really have to make a concerted effort to be present in your students' academic lives. And so while that may seem like an easy thing to do online by sending announcements, emails, or other communications, Students don't generally see this as the case. And so um, for the first couple of years of my online teaching, I did not post regular videos um, with myself describing what's going on in the course and updating students on their progress. And I would often get comments in my teaching evaluation saying that this, this instructor was essentially missing from the course or they were not a big enough part of my academic education. This was a big surprise to me because my courses were fully scaffolded and I provided uh, regular feedback and regular communica communications, both that were class-wide and individualized to students, but it appeared that students still wanted more. So my practice these days is to make a, a better effort in being a part of their lives, and the way I do that is by posting weekly videos that feature myself talking about what's going on in the course, and essentially, all the things an instructor would say at the beginning and end of class when they're actually meeting in person. And this has essentially solved this problem, and students really do feel like I'm instructing them in an online setting. Uh, my investment has been pretty minor. It's only a few minutes every week, and the payoff is really quite big. Number four is a classic mistake that many online instructors make. It's, well, I don't like leading with that. All right, so I'll, I'll finish with that. Um, number four is don't assume that your students will participate during normal working hours. And this is a classic mistake that many instructors make. And so just because the average working day is nine to five doesn't mean your, your online students are going to do their work during that time. In fact, the majority of your online students are probably taking your online course because they have some other responsibility during nor normal working hours. So, as an online instructor, you can assume that you will be busy in the evening answering communications and, and emails and, and basically student inquiries um, that are working on assignments at that time. And so by budgeting your time correctly and 
not assuming that um, your students will be contacting you during the day, you can really get ahead of what's going on in your online course and, and essentially stay on top of things and not have to put out fires first thing in the morning. Okay, and on to our fifth and final thing not to do when teaching online. Number five is don't lose sight of the big picture. And this is something that often happens online. Uh, I have a number of different assignment types, including readings, mediated assignments, quizzes, and written exercises. And it's often easy to get stuck on either one particular assignment type or even just one assignment. Um, and as a professor, or as an instructor, what you really need to be doing is understanding whether students are meeting the learning outcomes that you've set before them. And so the way I do this is by using data analytics to examine individual and aggregate trends in my students' learning. And by evaluating pain points in their progress, I can then tailor my instruction so that we are remediating things that they're not understanding well in the course, and also just adding scaffolding to complicated concepts. And that is the final and fifth thing not to do online. All right. Well, we've covered five things to do online last week. Today we've covered five things not to do when teaching online. Igor, I want to thank you for sharing all the tips that you've encountered along your teaching career here so far. Uh, and for everybody listening to us, uh, hopefully you've picked up another tip or two that will help you teach online as you go forward. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Igor, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you all soon. Thank you, AJ. This has been a McGraw-Hill production. Thank you for listening.